Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to In Session. My name is Colin McGuire, your host. I am joined by Danielle E. Gaines, all the way Hi, in Annapolis. Colin. How are you? Da- hello, hello, hello. Um, it's a beautiful day here in Frederick. How is it in Annapolis? It's nice. It's, I mean, it's cold, but it's sunny. It's not too cold here. Is it? Is it super cold there? Uh, I haven't been outside in a lot of hours. <laughs> <laughs> are you in the do- Are you in Jigsaw's lair this week? I'm in this. I'm in the creepy basement room again. Yes. Oh uh, man. Okay. Uh, well, it's good to be with you, senior reporter Danielle Gaines. There's a lot to get to this week. Yes. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot of interesting stuff. Ooh, I'm excited. Are you excited? Because I'm excited. Sure. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Okay, we're going to start, and it's always a good week when we can start with the Political Notes column, because that, as I say every week, is the most readable thing in the Frederick News Post right now. Read it every week. Please, people, please. Uh, so, I'm just going to read from the top of your, your column real quick to, to get us into this. This is so interesting to me. What happens when two senators file word-for-word identical bills? An awkward bill hearing, as we saw this week. This year, Senator Rong Young Uh, introduced Senate Bill 585, which would extend the statute of limitations for filing civil actions by child sex abuse victims. Also this year, Senator Dolores, my my computer just went, Dolores Kelly, a Baltimore County Democrat, has an identical bill. Can you tell us about this, Danielle, please? Sure. So, I mean, obviously, it's not unusual for identical bills to be filed in opposite chambers. That's something that you actually try to do. You try to have your bill cross-filed. You want it to move through both chambers at the same time so things kind of wrap up quickly at the end of the session. What rarely, if ever, happens is that identical bills by two different lawmakers not working with one another are dropped in the same chamber. So, How does this happen? How does this happen? Well, um, so Senator Young was working for several months on his bill, and it is an important subject. I don't want that to be lost in all of this, but he was working for several mm-hmm. months on his bill, and it's mm-hmm. a bill that he's, introdu- he's introduced in past years. It's also an issue that Senator Kelly cares about, and when the statute of limitations for these kinds of civil cases was expanded several years ago, it was her bill at that time that was passed. So it's an issue where they have an overlapping interest. And um, however it came to pass, Senator Kelly got a copy of Senator Young's bill from the Senate president's office, and she dropped her bill in the hopper before Senator Young, who wrote the bill, was able to drop it in the hopper. And obviously that led to some awkwardness, uncomfortability, (laughs) Um, just a really all-around strange situation, like this, these bills, both of them, got a hearing this week, and you could just tell how unusual it was by the comments that happened, you know, before the bill hearing started about why they were scheduling them at the same time. And it's not um, strange to have bills that are similar to one another scheduled for the same hearing date, but to have exactly identical bills on the same hearing date is very unusual. Now, Senator Young seemed to take this personally. Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I th- yeah. he he absolutely believes that um, his idea was stolen. He had a bill last year. It was, you know, I guess maybe somewhat common knowledge that he was working to improve it and reintroduce it this year. And, um, 
you know, he's he says that Senator Kelly stole his idea. Well, we have we have audio. Okay, we have audio of this um, that that you took uh, or that you have. Now, you you weren't you said you you got this elsewhere. You were not there, correct? I wasn't there um, for the hearing itself, but you're able to watch kind of recorded versions of the hearings online. And so I usually try to, in my, you know, abundant free time, um, listen in on various bills and stuff that I've missed earlier in the week. I sense that abundant free time (laughs) was sarcastic on some level. I don't know. I don't know. Um, So I'm going to play this now. Is that okay? Can Can we listen to this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, here we go. Now, as to this bill, uh, as you're aware, I brought a, a bill here the last two years. Uh, it had problems, never received a vote, uh, vote. So this year, over the last three or four months, I met with the president of the Senate. I and my staff met with uh, his staff. And we went back and forth for several months working out the wording on this bill. And his office was satisfied with it. And Senator Miller signed on as a co-sponsor of my bill this year. I was, uh, and I want to emphasize, no one worked on this bill except Vicki, myself, and my staff. No one else was involved. I was then surprised to find that another senator asked Vicki for a copy of my bill and dropped it word for word. Um, I also found out that that senator contacted my cross-filer from last year to cross-file that bill. Let me just stop you for a second. Yeah. Uh, what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, yeah. would be to actually just talk about the law. I will. And... And nothing else. Okay. I I will either talk about it here. I'm finished, but I will talk about it here on the floor. Uh, I think it was totally unethical. Anyhow, as far as the bill is concerned, you just heard testimony on it. I don't know what I could add to it. It was my bill, and you heard the testimony on it. So if you'd like, I can do it again, but I don't really see uh, the purpose of doing that. I just would ask that you pass my bill because it was my bill. So then we move on to discussion of an amendment. The questions come from Senator Anthony Mews, and he's asking about an amendment that Senator Kelly attached to the bill. It basically defines sexual abuse. Senator Young did not include that amendment in his bill, and you'll hear how things go from there. Well, well, could one of you maybe explain uh, th- this adds on, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out the kind of activity. What does, what, what's the wording and what, what's the meaning of, of where this bill was? And this adds on, your amendment adds on different categories or, or uh, creates different categories. I'm trying to figure out the meaning of that. I, I think you'd have to ask uh, the presenter of the amendment. I've never seen the amendment. I just presented or brought to you the bill that I worked out with the administration, which or with the... Uh, the president's office, which they were satisfied with. This is the first time I've heard the amendment. I haven't seen the amendment. Uh, The sponsor of the other bill never spoke to me uh, about the bill or the amendment, so I can't speak to the amendment. 
Mr. Chairman, I, I just I, I feel like if we're going to deal with a piece of legislation, deal with a piece of legislation. But to call the vice chair and and her actions unethical or anything like that, I think are totally inappropriate for this committee. I think we should deal with the piece of legislation, period. And all sidebar things that happen, I think should be left in a back room with the president's office or in a back room here. And I just want to deal with this piece of legislation and not make any comments about anybody on this committee or anything like that. I find, I, it, I, I find it out of order. M M Mr. Chairman, I find it totally out of order. Well, and I, I concur, and I would like to, I, I Senator Young, yes. if, if you could please, we would like to deal with, look, this is the Judicial Proceedings Committee, yes. and we are dealing with the law, so we want to deal with the words on the paper, and I have some questions about the actual words on the paper. Any of the other things that happen, which we're not privy to, are not material to whether or not this is a good or bad piece of legislation, so I would like for these, for, for, for these proceedings to be um, confined to that and that alone. Wow. So there you have it. That's a little taste, a little taste. <laughs> wow. 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 So uh, where where do we where do we stand now with it, I guess, is, is kind of the question. Um, and well, I guess, you know what, let me back up for a second. Uh, sure. Was was it fair or foul? What's the sentiment uh, behind this uh, in Annapolis now? Are people looking at this? Do people view Ron Young as a sympathetic character in this situation? Or how did you get any response sure. by chance? Well, so people are definitely talking about it, which is why I knew to go watch this particular bill hearing. Um, I think there's a few things at play here. One, people do value, you know, the idea that, um, you know, bills they champion and that they work on would be, you know, their bills to pass. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of various gamesmanship that happens in Annapolis about, you know, whether or not you file bills without co-sponsors or with co-sponsors, because how many people do you want to know that you're working on a certain issue? Do you pre-file bills? Do you wait until the session starts? Do you wait until, you know, right before the deadline so that you can be sure that you're the only one with that idea. Um, these are all things that lawmakers have, you know, probably myriad various opinions on what is the best way to go. Um, so I think there probably would be some sympathy to the fact that, um, you know, he had worked on this for a long time and then ultimately didn't get to drop the bill first. Um, I think also, though, the way that it was kind of discussed um, during the committee hearing is, you know, unusual, we'll say. And it, it's very unusual for, you know, another senator to call a point of order on a, on a senator who's testifying in front of the committee. So you heard a couple times, really, you know, the chairman, Bobby Zirkin, who's um, one of the individuals you hear, heard speaking, really trying to bring things back around to the bill itself yeah. and not to kind of a dispute about the bill. Is this, are people looking at Kelly like, ooh, that's messed up? It's hard to say. So the one the one important thing to note here is that she is the vice chairman of that committee. So um, mm. obviously those committee members spend a lot of time with her and know her to a better degree than they know Senator Young. So hmm. I that's see. I see. a dynamic at play as well. So what next? Um, uh, the, you kind well, of finish everything up in, in your column. You, you say that he's going to go talk to her at some point. But do we have any update? 
No update as of yet. And I think, you know, I spoke with him on Thursday, which gave a couple of days of downtime in between when this happened. And um, by Thursday, you know, we were really talking about this bill needs to get passed. It should it probably needs to be amended, actually. That's when they finally got down to the brass tacks and talking about what the bill does. It does not seem to achieve the goal. The goal is to um, allow survivors of child sex abuse a longer period of time to file civil claims against people who could be held responsible. And unfortunately, some of the, the legalese in the bill seems like it might actually make it more difficult. So um, by Thursday, Senator Young was saying that he hopes that the Judicial Proceedings Committee will be taking a look at the bill, looking at ways that it can be changed, amended, fixed, whatever, and that they'll just pass it out and get it to the floor so it can get that broader approval and move on to the House. Do you think there are egos at play here, to be fair? Uh, I, you know, I didn't ask anybody about that, so I don't really want to no. comment on it, but we all okay. have an ego. Okay. Well, of course, of course. Mine, mine's bigger Yours than all huge. of you politicians. Yes. I, I don't begrudge anybody having an ego. I'm just, I, I think, you know, on some level, this, this kind of feels like there might be some ego at play. I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong. Um... Elsewhere in political notes uh, today, you talked about the fact that Senator Huff uh, got Bill 666. I yes. love this little nugget of information you put in. And, and it, it, you, we talking before, it seems as though, you, well, you, t you said that you have analysis on how successful <laughs> 666 bills and 13 bills have been over time. People consider them unlucky numbers. Well, so I, pr I promised you that I would do analysis <laughs> on how good, uh, you know, the HBs and the SB 666s have gone over the past few years. I actually shared political notes earlier this morning um, on Twitter, and Senator Young gave me a lot of good comments um, in the political notes column. He was talking about how, you know, people make fun of you a little bit when you get 666. Yeah. And um, so I shared that. You got that the mark of the beast bill. The mark of That's the beast the quote, yeah. um, But so the General Assembly obviously doesn't skip over numbers that might be considered unlucky. So there are 666s, there are 13s, and years when it goes high enough, there are 13 13s. Um, and so Delegate Eric Lutke, he's a delegate from uh, Montgomery County, he responded to me on Twitter and he said he had an HB 666 in his committee a few years ago. And one of his more religious colleagues walked out of the hearing instead of voting on it um, because wow. of the number. And so wow. I told him that I was going to do this analysis and look at, you know, how often, you know, the Mark of the Beast bills are passed or not passed. And he said, it's a good question. It should be about the same as the other bills. Um the HB 666 will get you some ribbing, but as lawmakers, they vote on the language and not the number. And um, just kind of quickly scrolling through and looking at past years, I realized we were not going to have a st statistically significant analysis anyhow. So I just didn't do uh, it, Colin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's, okay. That's, I, that, have you ever been... Uh, have you ever been to a hotel? Hotels, by rule, don't have a 13th floor, correct? Well, I don't know if that's by rule, but yeah, I mean, the, the 13th I mean, floor is skipped a lot. Yeah. I, I, it's, it, it seems like such a, uh, 
You know, it's a, it's a funny little quirk, and and Michael Huff uh, seemed to have a good attitude toward it, even though he yeah. thinks it might be unlucky. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he did. He also he talked about um, just kind of how unfortunate it is that he ended up with this bill anyhow, because he introduced it at the request of a victims' rights group, and they sought him as the sponsor because they thought that the bill would be heard before his committee. Well, as it turns out, the bill got referred to a different committee instead. So, one, he has to travel to a different committee to testify on it. It's not before his. And two, he got the 666 for this year. So I would say that's a little unlucky, maybe. Uh, Probably. I guess so. At least this year. Although we have no statistical analysis on hand, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Speaking of Michael Huff, though, uh, he played uh, a role in in what we want to talk about next. Um, Senator Michael Huff uh, and the ASPCA. Do you want to talk a little bit about this story you wrote uh, earlier this week? Sure. So I had a fun story earlier this week when George Washington himself came to Annapolis to testify on a bill. That's so good. That's so I wish I was with you in Annapolis. Go ahead. <laughs> well, in this case, George is a beagle. He is um, <laughs> a former research dog, actually, at a laboratory. And his owner, um, or mom, however you want to say, um, Gail Thompson, she lives in D.C. And she came to testify on this bill, which is sponsored by Senator Huff and has the backing of the ASPCA, which basically says that Research facilities in the state should do their best to adopt animals out to loving homes when possible at the conclusion of their research um, instead of um, opting for euthanasia. So mm-hmm. that's the bill. George Washington, he is a former research dog. He's very, <laughs> very sweet. He, you know, loves to be held like a baby. And, um, you know, Gail was telling me all of the things that she's done with him since he came from a research lab to help him adopt to life outside. And he's just a really great family pet to her and her family. Aww. And now last year, a similar bill was passed through the House of Delegates, but it died in the in a Senate committee last or late in this in the session you wrote. Um, is there any sense of how this might go this year? Um, you know, I'm not certain. Um, it is interesting that it has the backing of a Republican senator. I think that might um, help mm. usher it through. Well, that's good. According to the latest information from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 1,064 dogs and 62 cats were used in experiments in eight Maryland-based facilities. That's a lot. That is a lot. lot Um, And and to be fair, some of those facilities do have voluntary adoption programs right now. Um, The aim Mm -hmm. of this bill would be to make sure that that's codified in state law and that that wouldn't change, you know, when a facility director changed or, um, you know, when there's like a a, just a change in tone at at a facility. So um, the. Public institutions are the ones that came forward and said they have adoption plans. It's some of the private labs where um, Senator Huff and some of the people who are testifying were saying that they actually just don't even really have a good grasp on what does happen to those animals right now. And they want to just increase reporting and, um, you know, also make this request that adoption is prioritized. I think the newsroom should adopt one of these pets. What do you think? Yeah, sure. (laughs) I'm on board. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was. I don't even like pets. I I only said that because I thought you liked pets. I don't like pets myself, but I, I like wanted pets. to be positive. I'm not in the newsroom for I'm, like three months out of the year, so uh, that's true. 
Can you yeah. believe, by the way, this is episode six? We've already done this six weeks. I can't That's believe That's kind of that. crazy. Oh yeah. God. Somebody I said know. today, I think it's like the 53rd day of session today. So Ooh, we're getting so how close many are to left? that halfway point. Well, it's 90 days. Yeah. You can do the math. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not capable of doing that right now. Uh, also this week, this is interesting. Uh, Frederick County Delegate Karen Lewis-Young. Uh, sponsoring a bill aimed at equaling pay for men, women, and minorities that would require companies with 15 or more employees to include salary information and job postings and narrow employers' ability to ask applicants about their salary history. Uh, Do you want to go from there? You want to take it? (laughs) Sure. So the General Assembly last session passed an equal pay for equal work bill. And Mm -hmm. this session is considering Delegate Karen Lewis-Young's bill. It is a bill that has been um, adopted into House Speaker Michael Bush's uh, legislative priorities for the year. And it's something that's being passed in a few places. Maryland would kind of be on the front end of passing this if it does go through this year. And Mm. it's a bill that all it does generally is take salary histories out of at least the beginning parts of of job interviews so we've all gone into jobs and you know you fill out the application and it says you know current salary or desired Mm -hmm. salary or any number of things and the idea behind getting rid of salary histories at that front side of the process would be that you don't um, require applicants who may be being paid less than their colleagues already or um, women minorities who typically um, research has shown are paid less than um, mm-hmm. their male counterparts would um, put in a low number and then get hired and then they just, you know, get that number rather than what per, what the employer might have perhaps been willing to pay, which might have been a higher figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, oh, I hate that. Just oh, yeah, it's so difficult I, I, to know what to say. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, how much I, do you want to make? Well, I want to make $75,000. I don't know. Like, uh, no, <laughs> I, yeah, like I'd. I, I just every time I see that I want to fill it out and be like I want to make five hundred million dollars a year. Can you meet that? Can we find somewhere in the middle? Like why? To me, that's always seemed like such a stupid question to ask anyway because everybody knows everybody wants to make as much money as they can. Right, but then so. there's the question: If you're too low, does that reflect on the fact that you're a bad worker and you haven't been paid well because of it? Or if you ask for too much, mm. does that take you out of the running at the very beginning? Um, this so true. <laughs> we're kind of on a tangent, but this so that this bill actually specifically <laughs> deals with the employer asking you how much money you make right now. Yeah, I, and yeah. and they can well, do I, that, you know, far later in the process. Actually, you know, once they offer you a job, that um, when you get a job offer and it has a dollar amount, then there's kind of some wiggle room for negotiation and an employee I think can always voluntarily give that information but it would require you know that the employers don't ask you from the front and the other thing that it does is it requires employers to in any job posting say what the salary is so Mm -hmm. you're not getting into that situation you know that we were talking about where you don't know what their idea of what the salary range would be. And yet they ask you how much you want to get paid. You just would know what their idea of the salary range is. And you would be able to decide if you wanted to apply or not. And then also you would know when you get hired, if they had paid you on the low end of the range, the high end of the range, whether or not you were being fairly compensated. 
Now, this, uh, at the federal level, at least uh, in your story, uh, this, it tried to, uh, that would it would have stopped this, uh, but the measure stalled last year. There's nothing pending in, in this Congress. Uh, the state of California and city, city of Philadelphia have also changed their laws to limit the impact of salary history on current pay. Uh, where do you think this stands currently um, in Annapolis, or is it too soon to tell? So the bill hearing was was very interesting. It seemed to be mostly well-received. The business community is opposed to this measure for various reasons. They don't want their competitors to be able to know what they're paying their employees. They think it weakens kind of negotiations between a business and a prospective employee. Um, but the chairman of the committee, Derek Davis, had a lot of back and forth with the people testifying on all sides and really seemed to... Um, drive home the idea that it shouldn't that salary histories voluntarily given by women and minorities shouldn't perpetuate um, their history of being underpaid he did have a, an extended back and forth with the employers groups about whether or not the job posting notification part was really necessary that was a lot of their um complaint about about the bill as it's written right now all of the kind of upfront disclosure on the employer side of things and so i think we might end up seeing an amendment where the salary history question is taken off the table but the employer notifications are allowed to you know continue as they are today but that's speculation we'll right. see we'll see we'll keep an eye on that we'll yes. keep an eye on that one moving forward um Fearful of President Donald Trump's policies, the Maryland General Assembly empowered the state's Democratic Attorney General on Wednesday to sue the federal government without permission from the state's Republican governor. Uh, this is from an Associated Press story, actually, this week. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about this? Sure. So, I mean, this was a long debate. Um, well, interesting. It was a long debate. Very, very, very short bill process. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this was, as we talked about last week, when we had the senators, the Republican senators leaving the chamber over the fact that the debate on this bill could not be postponed for one day, um, yes. in the intervening walk week, out. yes, walk out in the intervening week, um, it got through the Senate and then it passed over to the house. We had a bill hearing, uh, or it's not a bill, it's a resolution actually. So that, but there was a committee hearing on the resolution on Friday. It came to the house. It got through the house this week and it is now in effect because when it's a resolution rather than a bill, it doesn't require the signature of the governor. Hmm. Uh, what's the sentiment about this around Annapolis? Well, it, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a, a essentially a purely party line issue. Um, yeah. The re Democrats feel that um, regardless of party, they want to counteract some of President Donald Trump's policies, and they want the attorney general to be able to do that in court. Um, our attorney general is one of only a few in the country who doesn't have the power to sue the federal government. Um, at least at least 40 attorneys general in other states have that power. Um, it's something that we've heard a lot recently with the um, EPA secretary, Scott Pruitt, when he um, you know, filed a number of lawsuits against the federal government for various environmental rules. So this would just give the AG that power. And um, 
Republicans take that as a shot at the Republican governor and at a, as a shot at the Republican president. So the um, Governor Hogan does have the ability to authorize the Attorney General to take actions like this. The Attorney General says he asked the governor for authority to do so, and he did not get a response from the governor's office. So this um, resolution kind of outlines a vast area where the General Assembly has now given that authorization for him to bring any number of court cases against the federal government. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. I, I'm kind of curious uh, about how that's going to, the effect it might have. I, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it could have, um, it could have an effect on the rest of the session. I could be wrong. What do you think, Danielle? Um, (laughs) possibly, possibly not. I mean, one Mm -hmm. thing to really put this in perspective is that at least 40 other states already have this ability and their governments continue to run and they continue to, you know, have debates on other things without this particular type of authorization hanging over like a cloud. Uh, finally, finally this week, I love being able to say this. You knew I would. That's why. Oh, okay. I was like, what is Colin? (laughs) (laughs) You had the opportunity to use the phrase urine flavored flesh in the newspaper, ladies and gentlemen. And this is actually following up on something we talked about last week. You want to take it from there? Well, I uh, I put that shorthand in in a, a brief I wrote about a bill being passed, and frankly, I thought the editors would take it out, but they let it stand. It's a truthful <laughs> statement. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> but this is just on the fact that um, this week the bill to um, address the Cownos Ray hunts in the Chesapeake Bay did finally get final approval from the Senate this week. And so now that bill is going to move over to the House. And, um, you know, cow nose rays, in case you didn't know, usually they're just killed during these tournaments (laughs) and tossed back in the bay because they aren't tasty to eat. They have urine flavored flesh. Of course. We talked about this last week. This means, though, that it wasn't all a bad week for Senator Ron Young, right? Because this was a Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, Yeah, not at all. And, He's and, the introducer uh, of many bills, as we've discussed before. So, but you know. not Bill Green. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Oh, I got to laugh this week. All right, what's up next week? What's on the horizon? <sighs> There's a lot going on. I'm going to be working on some uh, stories about redistricting reform. There's going to be another push for that this year. Um, the uh, end of life. Uh, medical decisions bill had its first hearing in the House this week, and they have a hearing coming up in a couple of weeks in the Senate. So I'll be taking a look at that. And there are a lot of other interesting things going on. There's prescription drug price gouging bill and some uh, gun legislation. So a lot of the big issues are going to be coming up pretty soon here. We're getting into the meat of it, right? We're getting into the heart of the session. Yeah, they we're getting close okay. to that halfway point when things really pick yeah. up. And then we'll all go to dinner and we'll celebrate it. Yes. That, which which leads me to this. What was the <laughs> best food you had this week, Danielle? I went to Whole Foods <laughs> for the, oh. uh, the hot bar for dinner. Yeah. Ah, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> senior reporter Danielle E. Gaines, please follow her on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle again so that people know? 
So it's at Danielle E. Gaines. There is, okay. there was a situation this past weekend where there's also an at Danielle Gaines and she got Ooh. really wrapped up into like a long, long Twitter stream <laughs> between lots of FNP reporters and some other individuals um, about the Planned Parenthood um, rallies in downtown Frederick. So at Danielle E. Gaines. Gaines. I'm glad I asked. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. I asked that. There. Thank you so much for your time. We will talk to you next week, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you, Colin. Bye-bye. In Session is produced by Graham Cullen and Chris Sands. A special thanks goes to Kelsey Luce for composing our theme. Now be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes or Google Play so you can stay current with all the developments in Annapolis this session. Join us next week when we'll discuss the week that was in the General Assembly.